Ooh, baby, that's some smooth music, and I'm sorry for what I just did. Hello, I'm Anthony Apruzzi, and I am the host of this podcast, For the Love of Game, a podcast about improvisational comedy. So, who am I? I'm your niece. I'm No, I am Anthony, and I am a performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York, and I am also a teacher there. So, um, I know about improv, I'm sorry again, and this is going to be a podcast where I talk to different improvisers about different parts of improv, different aspects of it, whether they be different openings or different types of scenes or different types of shows like mono scenes or heralds, etc. And we're just going to get really nerdy on this motherfucker. Oh boy, it's going to be very nerdy. So in this episode, we are going to talk about second beats, which are the replication of the first beats in the herald, where we put the games that we established in the first beats in new and interesting situations. I will be talking to Achilles Stamatolaki. Who's Achilles, you say, as you sit there at your desk crying. Achilles is a really great guy and a wonderful performer, improviser, and writer at the Upper Sins Brigade Theater. He performs regularly at ASCAT on Sundays at UCB Chelsea and with his team Airwolf at UCB East on Saturdays at 9 o'clock. Achilles and I get very nerdy in our conversation. We talk about theory a lot, and it was a real pleasure to talk to him. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And if you don't enjoy the episode, or if you think that I could have done anything better, go fuck yourself. Fuck you. And please be nice to me. This is the hardest part about improv, or one of the hardest parts about improv. Would you agree with that? Or yeah, I mean, it's like it's one thing to do a funny thing once, but then oh, just do that funny thing again, and then in a more surprising and absurd way. It's like a, a little bit of a challenge to, if you're starting out doing it, to make somebody like do that. You know, like yeah. oh, just be funny again in the same exact way, but in a way that's different. You know, so that is very challenging. Uh, second beats kind of fall into be either analogous or or time dash, and I was wondering if you can just explain that to people too. Sure, time dash second beat is you take one or both of the same characters from your first beat scene, and you see them play the same exact game in a new situation. Usually, it'll be um, sometime after the that first beat scene happen but a lot of times it'll be you know sometime before but any time any part of their timeline is good for a time dash and an analogous is same exact game but completely different characters different situation different specifics sometimes even different improvisers but playing the same exact funny thing right right yeah. so i just want to talk about like when you think about like time dash things and stuff like that i tend to think of things in, in, in terms of when uh let's say if it's like a first date scene and there's a game centered around that i would take the plot of the date and if it went well and whatever and just go like, all right, this is a couple. So feasibly they could be married one day or getting married one day or getting engaged one day or growing old together. And maybe we can play the game um, somewhere in a new circumstance of their like journey together or like their plot. Like what do you, how do you think of when you think of like time dash stuff? Is it similar? Is it different? Yeah, I think it's similar to that. Mm -hmm. Like to use your date example, if what was fun about it was them, yeah, being a couple or being in this kind of romantic relationship, that's probably informing the game in some way, the funny mm -hmm. thing. So I would want to return to that in some way. So if the first beat was a date, maybe this the second beat is uh, meeting her parents or them getting married or doing something else that feels like 
oh, this was a fun expiration. This, this like real, the relationship was a fun expiration of this funny thing that they were naturally doing uh, right. together. So that's usually what I defer to. Like that's what one of our teachers, Michael Delaney says is like plot can kind of be your friend in that way, but like plot in the sense of they were dating and now they're married. That's like as far as the, the story that you want to take with, you know, with that, that type of specific example. Right, right. Um, it's, it's in the sense of like, be careful about moving the plot forward in a way that solves what was ever interesting about the scene in the first place. Right. What do you, how does your brain approach, you know, like if you just did a beat, you decide that, you know, analogous is the best way to go for whatever reason. How do you think of it? Like, how do you see the game in your mind's eye and all that type of stuff? How do you look at it? Usually I, th I try to think a bit, I mean, I try to approach it as simply as I can. So if the, the game wasn't character based, meaning if it wasn't, if the first beat wasn't like, this was a really funny character, we should probably see them in a second beat, then maybe there's like room for analogous. Because mm -hmm. uh, if you if you have a really funny character in the first beat, you should probably see them in, in the second beat. Right. But if it's more of a game that's like, you know, something that's like more of a like premise-based heady game, let's say, right. uh, like a high concept, almost like just a written sketch uh, on, on your feet. So something more circumstantial almost or something more like world-based or... Yeah, like yeah. either like a mapping game, like a world-based, like unusual thing... Uh, game, maybe even like a peas in a pod type scene where we have two unusual characters, mm -hmm. then it's easier to go analogous because then you can kind of see how the the unusual thing could be explored in a way that isn't just based on the character, but based on the, the stuff that's going around the, the, the two people that we're seeing on right. stage. Yeah. So it's less about wanting to see a funny character again, more about like wanting to think about it in terms of, um, well, what made this funny? Yeah. And trying exactly. to replicate that in a different place. Right. Uh, and when you do that, are you approaching the specifics in a way of like, well, I should, uh, there's certain things I have to keep the same. Like if, if, you know, the, the first scene is between, uh, you know, a mother and a daughter, you know, maybe there's something familial you want to keep there or just something status wise, um, in terms of like, there's a high status person and a person who's lower status and the circumstance, like, like, so if it's like a mother and a daughter talking about like Star Wars at like a funeral, you want to keep the status similar and like the, the circumstance of their, them talking about something that's like not something you talk about at a funeral right. in a different place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would want to keep the dynamic the same and then the, the behavior more heightened, I mm -hmm. guess. So it, to use your example of two people talking about something very, I guess, inconsequential or unimportant at, or maybe to make it even more specific, like something that they're fans of mm -hmm. in the middle of like a high stakes thing, like a funeral. Yeah. Then if you're going analogous, yeah, because that doesn't seem like a character-based game. If you're going uh, analogous, you might put it in a situation where it's like their house is on, or some character's house is on fire or something, and they're talking about, like, uh, they'd rather be talking about, like, uh, stranger things or, I don't right, know, like right, some right. something where um, sure. a more important thing is happening and then they're being distracted by their conversation. So in that specific example that you gave, you also made it that something bad was happening to someone else is that something that you did on purpose as well too or like or is that just uh, i mean i guess that yeah maybe the way i framed it in my mind was that yeah. it's like that yeah they're they're almost not connected to if it's it, somebody who they care about if it's like their funeral mm -hmm. then yeah it's funnier if it's like this thing that they're almost not aware of that they're they're doing maybe it is yeah like they they are people who are not even aware of like uh, the fact that they're doing this and then they're also being 
don't know what's the what's the callous like is that the word for it? like they're being callous to people who are like uh, this happened to them you know right yeah. right they're being unaffected by something that happened to someone else that's very terrible like a death or you know their house burning down right and they're talking about cultural science fiction things yeah so um, then maybe yeah. like the idea is like maybe their house their house isn't br- burning down in the second <laughs> beat but it's like they're two firemen and it's somebody else's house that's burning right. down right. maybe that's a more no i think you were i think you were spot uh, on analogous. because something yeah. bad happened to someone else like someone right. died someone's house yeah anyways we can talk about this for a while <laughs> <laughs> this specific yeah this example. specific uh hypothetical uh very fun but it is interesting to think about like how people's brains think of things in terms of like putting it all back together and i i think i can tend to be a little bit more like mad libby sometimes like and i think sometimes maybe it's okay when you're thinking yeah. of analogous and i think you know i don't want to speak for you but i got that way of thinking through just a bunch of trial and error, yeah. like doing a scene and, 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 you know, if, um, it was a scene happening between, you know, a police chief and a, uh, a regular cop, which is most, most of my scenes in the next scene, I did, you know, something where people were both the same status. I realized like, Oh, like the, the cop subjugating to the chief was part of why that was funny. And mm-hmm. I need to keep that, uh, kind of, uh, tension between the characters where like, I have to speak to that character a certain kind of way with respect and I have to let them get away with certain things because they're my boss. And like, that's a thing that I need to keep for the comedy to happen. Yeah. And, uh, did you acquire, you know, that knowledge of analogous beats just through like a bunch of trial and error? Or was it through like doing heroin? I think yes. It, like it's trial and error. And also, yeah. What do I like to play? What do I like to see? But also right. just like from notes that you're like my coaches gave me like yeah. after shows, not to me specifically, but like Most of just, yeah, yeah. Um, they were, they were <laughs> yeah. calling you out. Yeah. They were calling me out. Yeah. But I remember it was like a, a note. Um, I feel like it was Anthony King gave, and it was just like a note about um, a second beat game. And he was like, uh, yeah, you took this uh, first beat scene that had very clearly like a fun, like this was the most fun character in the show. And then you made an analogous scene. So you destroyed the fun <laughs> thing about that scene. Like, why did you go analogous when you could have just kept following the, the, fu- the most fun, simple character? And I was like, that makes complete sense. Right. Because it's, I also like the idea of like keeping things simple, you know, like sure. this character was fun, see him again in a different place. Or if it is analogous, um, I actually think Mad Libs is a kind of a good way to as like an entry point, mm-hmm. but it also can't be just like substitutions. Like do an analogous scene, it can't be like if the first beat was like at a McDonald's, the second beat can't be at a Burger King. You know? Right, right, like, right, it, right. Because um, that was another thing that was uh, I remember him noting about uh, after a show was like. Yeah, you just changed up the specifics. You didn't actually heighten the game of it. You didn't make the thing more absurd. Right. Um, and that's a thing that I'm always trying to do consciously in a, in a second beat or and you know, something that I try to teach students is like the thing that you did in the first beat established your funny thing. Now you need to be, do a more absurd version of that right. in the second beat or the third beat. Yeah, I think that yeah. brings up a really interesting point too, and especially when you said um, McDonald's and Burger King. Um, I'm hungry. No, yeah. uh, that, you know, it can't be like a lateral type move. Right, right. And if I was in a first beat and let's say the setting was at like a Burger King, I would think of it in terms of like lowest common denominator. Like what does Burger King represent socially or something like that? Like, well, it represents like, you know, a fast food place. Yeah. But a place that's like kind of (laughs) shitty, it's like quick grab. You don't think of it as like a high class place to be. Yeah. Versus, you know, just leaving it at that top thing, which is just the, um, that it's a fast food place. Right. So you want to keep, you want to see like what things represent, I think sometimes more too. Is that fair to say? Like, do you have any yeah, thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, it depends on the game too. But if like the thing that we expect McDonald's to be is like, yeah, just this like mass food 
fast food chain right. type thing. And then we introduce, you know, like, oh, this is where the Met Gala after party is going to be. Then mm-hmm. that's weird. And then, but if you did an analogous scene where, like, now the Met Gala party is at Burger King, that's not heightening right, the, right, ga- right, right, right. the game. But if you have, you, you can have an analogous scene where Marie Antoinette goes to, like, I don't know what's like the the French version of of a McDonald's <laughs> in the you know in sure revolutionary like a like a quick baguette place you know yeah yeah, yeah. Um, then it's like oh this is much more absurd than that right sure scene yeah um, yeah I think yeah. those are good examples um, yeah. and if they're not people can go fuck themselves yeah. do you think there's a better time for uh, one or the other specifically and I think you kind of said this but just to be more direct what do you think is the best time for both Which yeah is, for, for yeah. Time Nash it's if there's a really fun character and there's like a fun straight man crazy man dynamic for mm-hmm. sure Time Dash I think is the way uh, to go not that that's a rule but I think yeah like if there's a fun character we should probably see that fun character again and then for analogous um, scenes I feel like it's better if there is something bigger or thematic to explore about the game about the, the the funny idea that isn't completely based around one person one funny character right yeah yeah i think that's great and you know there are circumstances where that might be outliers to your things that might totally like, seem like they negate you know what you just said but yeah. these are just like ballpark that's what we're going for here ballpark yeah general generally yeah, general I think. stuff yeah and it's also what you'll see like if you if you know your student watching Harold Knight, that's what you're going to see like the teams do is they're going to gravitate towards, well, we don't want to like discover a new funny person. This person was already funny. Let's, right. you know, make that, uh, um, game continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were a student, you know, were there some things that tripped you up about this? Were there like notes that you got consistently ever, or like an ongoing like exploration for your thinking of second piece? I think it was for me, what tripped me up at a certain point was not necessarily like, well, what is a second beat? But like, how could I make a second beat that didn't feel like, because I did watch a lot of shows and like, you know, did, yes, yeah. I was in a bunch of practice groups and stuff. So I felt like I was really drilling it a lot, but at, at a certain point, maybe like after my first year or something of, of like taking classes and seeing shows, mm-hmm. it kind of felt stale and I, I didn't want it to be stale. Like I would do second beats that felt like, oh, this is the quote-unquote correct second beat right, right, right. to do rather than the most fun second beat to do. So that's one thing that kind of tripped me up about it is kind of like over-intellectualizing it versus just, yeah, focusing on what was fun about the first beat and, and trying to do that again in, in the second beat. When did you feel like you made the shift from going like less analytical in your approach and more like, well, I'm just going to do what I think is funny, but also play a game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it, it's just one of those things where you kind of just have to get over that slump a little bit where it's good that you are thinking about it in that way and then you just do enough scenes where oh i don't feel this way anymore and yeah it became less heady to me um, right and more oh yeah that was fun in the first beat also it's like just learning more about game too is right. is um an easy way to approach uh, or an easy way to get like better at second beats because right. like you get more confident with game the more you you know, do scenes. So it was easier for me to be like, oh, I don't need to get super intellectual about this. I can just do what was fun in the first right. beat. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. I wonder if that's also like, in your experience, was it like, well, I feel comfortable playing in that regard, being very analytical. And I've seen where that I'm like maxing out in my approach, perhaps at that time. 
and maybe being like, well, I'm not afraid of getting notes on trying. Yeah. So I'm going to try this other way. Yeah. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think yeah. that was definitely part of it. It was my confidence catching up to my skill or vice versa. Right. You know, maybe I knew. Yeah, maybe it's the confidence that was catching confidence. up with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds because like it, yeah. it was like I knew how to do it because I saw it. I saw it all the time on Herald Night or you know any show that I uh, would watch. Um, I saw it being done well, and I was like, oh, I want to have second beats that are that effortless, or I want to be able to just be in a scene and uh, do it uh, in a way where you're just like, yeah, like repeating the thing that, oh my god, that was obviously the funny thing. Because right. that, that's another thing too, like that. Um, you start recognizing the game much in a much more like simple way the more you watch scenes so it allows you to break down like oh yeah, oh, yeah you just need to say like the character ju- does only need to say pongo a bunch of times <laughs> yeah. and then you just see see that in the second beat yeah. we don't need to like put it in the perfect yeah. place you say bongo Pongo. Pongo. That was a uh, uh, Miller Demon uh, <laughs> oh, scene. Oh, nice. Yeah, where like a Frankenstein type, like Dr. Frankenstein type guy mm-hmm. who had like a uh, an assistant, mm-hmm. like an Igor type uh, assistant. But this guy's name was Pongo. And the game was literally just, you love saying your name, don't you, Pongo? Pongo, you know? And like it was just that. And yeah. crushed. That, that, that scene crushed. And did the same thing in the second beat? Yeah, they just did the same thing. That's yeah. the great. Uh, yeah. I feel like sometimes uh, students might have an instinct where like, let's say... A student uh, a couple of students did that first beat mm-hmm. they might feel sometimes like well i can't come out and say pongo right away because in the scene you know like i'm gonna hold on to it and build to the biggest pongo right versus just giving the audience what they want right away do you see that a lot like people holding on to moves in second beats yes because yeah. i think in in second beats especially they they have this thing of like oh my god that was so simple it can't possibly be that simple again in the second beat, or mm-hmm. or it, sh- it like it shouldn't be that easy. When in fact, yes, like that is the whole reason right. we have, we hopefully have a really funny game in the first beat is to make our second beat and the rest of the show uh, much easier. So in the second beat, sometimes yes, yeah, students will hold back on the move to lead up to it rather than just playing it because yeah, they're not confident in just the, even the concept of repeating the game yeah. over and over again. Like they're afraid of how easy it is. I think. Yeah, I think I think students, and I think but when I say students too, I also mean like everybody. Right, everybody yeah. at some point, everybody's still like, maybe sometimes people still like, uh, you know, on Harold Lane, like my, everyone runs into the same problems like once in a while. Yeah. And I think there are two things I see a lot in regards to what we were talking about. I think a lot of making up rules that no one had told them or they misunderstood a rule that they are now making like canon. Right. Like, oh, we, we can't just do that. You know, and that's like a thing that I think that gets in a lot of people's ways. Yeah, and I think that comes from teachers uh, rightfully putting, on, on certain levels, putting limits on the types of things you can do in a second beat just mm-hmm. to make things simple. What do you mean by that? So, for example, for, for my 201s, what I usually do is like you can walk on and tag out and do all this like support move stuff in the second beats, but just make sure that you guys are following the same game. If you're going to do a straight man, crazy man scene, just keep tagging out the straight man rather than oh, you know, yeah. having, having this, like you'll see it a lot on Harold Knight or uh, lots of other shows where you'll, you know, it'll be like a tag run where you're tagging out multiple roles. So you'll tag out the, the straight man first and then you'll see a scene and then you'll tag out the crazy man first because the straight man said something right. much weirder. So it's not that, you know, I, I'm telling them you can't do that, but it's like, if this is 201, you need to learn to right. just follow one thing for your entire second beat. And then to them, if they go on to 
further levels that might turn into we can never do that in our yes you know, 100% third, third yeah. beats or second beats which i don't think is true it's just you know a simpler kind of more effective way to learn this at right. the level that you're at yeah and a lot of times we're just telling people best practice right a lot of times i uh, i find myself <laughs> as a teacher saying things like well so, so like a students like well i saw a, a person do something on stage that is the antithesis of essentially everything that you've told us, Apruzzi, you bald fuck. And, um, <laughs> let him get away with everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I recently, yeah, I just, I let him get away. You can talk to me pretty much wherever you want. I, I just had a 301 that every time I entered the room, they all went, oh, and it's my favorite. <laughs> That's great. It's, it's it, like, yeah. I don't know what I did. Uh, except be myself and, yeah. and, and really encourage it. But um, <laughs> a thing I started saying, just because you saw something on stage that negates what I said doesn't mean it was correct. Right. I think, too, it's it's one of those things where, well, you're in 301 right now. You are watching people who have been doing it for, mm -hmm. you know, five, six times longer than you, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, know, yeah. you have. Um, so they have the skill to navigate um, whatever right. no-nos that, the, the teacher has has told you and then i think also it's it's this other thing of since that the thing they saw was funny hmm. but it's breaking the rules they want to be able to do that thing right away yeah um and i knew i know i was that for sure in 101 because like i would watch ascat which is like the the show where they just yeah it's like celebrities breaking the rules and mm -hmm. and not uh fucking around you know yeah yeah, yeah. um and not doing uh not doing good improv, but like being so charismatic and, and just like hilarious that they can get away with anything. Right, right, right. Um, and then you watch that and then, oh, this is you get into class and you're like, oh, this is actually how it's <laughs> you're supposed to be doing yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's all true. Fuck. And, you know, a lot of what we're talking about right now is predicated on your first beat being strong. I mean, like you have to have a good first beat <laughs> to... Talk ideally, about, ideally yeah. talk about like what we've been talking about thus far. Yes. But uh, another thing I've noticed a lot, and I wonder if you've seen this too, like in terms of builds and scene, like holding things back in second beats, because I think the best practice we probably both agree is to get to it right away most of the time, like get to it right, yeah. right away 99% of the time. But I've noticed because, you know, people and uh, when they're figuring things out, 201, 301, 401, trying to develop a game and it could take until the end of the scene for that game to develop like they have like one strong first move beat. yeah yeah like their strongest move is the edit line of their first beat after three minutes yeah so that they think that just like from the feeling of it and maybe even mathematically that the second beat has to have a three minute long build exactly and then have that thing and, and where we just discovered the game at the end uh that's just the, what we're really just doing is replicating the first move in a new circumstance exactly in the second yeah beat. yeah um what are some things, you know, what's the advice that you give to students in, in those scenarios? Yeah, I usually tell students that if you didn't have a strong first beat scene, just take what you felt like was the strongest, the funniest, most specific thing, or even like the, the Delaney calls it like the point of discovery. That's where you should start your second beat. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, like sometimes, especially if you're starting out learning about game and learning about first beats and second beats, it can take forever to find that first unusual thing or, yeah. or to uh, agree on uh, what the funny idea is. But in the second beat, it shouldn't be like duplicating the not funny part of the scene. It's like, just get to the funny part um, right. get to the meat of it. Um, mm -hmm. So I tell like students to, yeah, defer to what was the funniest thing? What seemed like the strongest thing? What's the most distilled version uh, mm -hmm. of that uh, thing? And I also 
tell students to do a better version of the game of their first beat. Um, and That's often that means like, you know, they'll, they'll go back and kind of do roughly what they did in uh, the first beat, but you know, so it'll be like lateral, but at least they had a stronger playing of, mm-hmm. of the game in their second beat. Right. It's just being decisive, more decisive in the second beat. And beginning the scene with that. Yes. Yeah, beginning yeah. the scene with that. What would you say your advice is when we talk about, you know, time dash before the second beat is just uh, a plot move that wraps up everything from the first beat that kind of solves everything right away? Right. What's the thing that, you know, you know, you think to yourself in that situation or you or you give advice to to students to kind of avoid making those moves or like um, how, what would I tell them to avoid like following the plot? Of yeah, yeah, like, 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 pra- no, or like practically, like, why should you not wrap it up? Like, oh, I like see. A, yeah. Most practical reason for not wrapping it up or, you know, c- concluding the story of, mm-hmm. of the game is the story is inconsequential to the funny thing, mm-hmm. meaning the funny thing is going to be, uh, is the thing that you are wanting to see. So if you are then concluding that the funny thing is now over then you've defeated the whole purpose of seeing that scene again because improvisers are really good at repeating the funny thing they're not good at making up story on on the spot nobody is it's like that's really really difficult and and Mm -hmm. hard but if it's if the approach is we have this one really funny thing we're going to repeat that over and over again in a way that's like grounded and and smart that's much easier than like okay so in the first beat uh, the boy met the girl and uh (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, but the girl had really um, huge buck teeth, so they couldn't kiss. And then the second beat, she got her teeth fixed. And then like, this is an awful story, right? Like, I don't want to hear any more of this story. I just want to keep seeing how she has buck teeth and they can't kiss. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. like how they can't keep doing that, right? You know, which we can all agree is a perfect improv scene. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) No, yeah, perfect examples. Yeah, no, no. I think they've actually been really great. (laughs) I think I think a lot too is you know keeping wants going. I think is helpful in in those situations. Yeah, an example I use a lot, even for second beats, is Debbie Downer, classic SNL sketch. Debbie Downer. You don't ever want to make Debbie Downer happy because why? Like that's that defeats the whole purpose of Debbie Downer. Like the the thing that makes that sketch funny is that she is everybody else is having fun and then she brings down the fun. So you can't ever have a second beat of that sketch where oh Debbie's okay now. It's like what? No, like yeah, (laughs) that's the whole funny thing of the the scene, right? Uh, so I wanted to talk to you about, you know, teaching even more specifically. And even though we, you know, kind of brought it up over the course of our conversation, are there, you know, uh, any exercises that you've created to, you know, help students with uh, second beats that uh, that you think are useful? And also, like, what was your reasoning behind creating that thing? Um, a lot of the second beat based things that either I've created or I've like stolen um, from people are to try to allow either the class or the team to be able to either communicate their second beats more effectively or to, to like, yeah, just play the second beats as a group a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh, effectively. So a simple thing that I'm sure everybody does is just have other people initiate uh, second beats Mm -hmm. um, so that you're spreading the work amongst the entire team. I think that's like a simple uh, approach to uh, So like I do the scene A, another with someone, and then another pairing does B and then C, but then maybe in second beats I do, as having done scene A, I do scene B's second beat. Exactly, yeah. So I can help 
better understand their game. Yeah, yeah. you're understand, helping understand their game, but you're also being a good teammate and making a decision about somebody else's second beat mm-hmm. so that you're not the only so that the people who did the first beat are not the only people right. who are you know doing this why the why beat. like as achilles do you think that's a good idea why do you think that's a good idea I like think, what a weird question yeah but like, no yeah. but I, I think like when i'm in a i mean i barely do heralds now mm-hmm. uh never do heralds now but you watch I know, a bunch yeah 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 i know that i i like when a teammate does that uh, oh yeah. When they initiate a second beat that I had, uh, even even if I did have an idea myself, if they initiated it, I'm like, oh great! Like they were paying attention, they're supporting me, and the fact that they're initiating it in the first place means that they're really confident about this idea yeah. being funny. So there's a lot of like, I like the trust element of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second beat, you know, initiation from other people, and then for analogous second beats, I like doing like categories, like doing categories of second beats. So it's yeah. not. Um, it's not just if the first two, uh, if the first beat was two people, I don't know, I'm not, not going to come up with another <laughs> example, but if it was the first beat was two people, the second beat can be a different category, but playing that same right. game. Right. I know what you mean by this, and you, you've done this with one of my Harold teams. This is a thing that I've absolutely stolen from you. <laughs> um, so, like, let's say if by this is what I think you mean by categories. Like, let's say the. The first beat is uh, using my favorite stuff again. Is like you know a a, a police chief and a uh, you know possible criminal or something like that. Someone they've been they're interrogating or anything like that. And then you say Western uh, is your category. You want to see that scene in the old West. Right. So you'd want to see it with a sheriff and like the like a person who's like in the jail. But they're all in Western. Type exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So categories you can think of it like. Yeah, in movie genres, media genres, you can think about it in like, yeah, what is this game in the Animal Kingdom? What is this game mm-hmm. way in the future? What is this game way in the past? What is this game in if you guys were inanimate objects? You mm-hmm. know, I think the the fun thing about doing that is it simplifies your approach to analogous second mm-hmm. beats because you're just thinking of, oh yeah, I know what the game is. Now I just have to f- make it fit into this, right. this category, this this kind of like square. And then I just make game moves that are within that genre or within that category. And then it, it, it's less of a heady thing because you're just thinking about it um, in a very simple uh, right. way. And I think the other thing about it too is like it allows you to make more creative decisions about what the second beat could be so it's not just oh okay first beat it's two people second beat analogous also two people mm-hmm. um in the same time same you mm-hmm. know general location it's like you know how how far can you stretch the game and it's still recognizable i think mm-hmm. that's fun that that's a fun way to approach yeah like a second beat I, I think it's like it's much easier if you just decide where you're going to put it and like in this in this genre or whatever and then seeing what within that genre fits and totally. what doesn't fit so that you can then understand what makes the game tick. So if it is like the the example I used with the Old West, we know that one person works is, is, is in charge of like law and order. So you have to have that law and order element in whatever genre you, you know, pick. Um, and then one person re- uh, represents kind of like people who are against that, you know, or people who are breaking the law. And that needs to be present in the beat. So if you just if you think Western, you go like, oh, that thing right there. If you think like uh, what's another genre that we can use as an example, like a sci fi genre, like a sci fi genre, you can mm. go Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> Judge Dredd. You can go Judge Dredd and a bad guy. You know what I mean, dude? But you know what? 
It works. Yeah. Brinley Mulligan said a really great thing. He said that a lot of improv is eliminating choices. So if I say, I'm going to play this in the animal kingdom, my brain just gets more specific and eliminates all the other possible choices of places where I could possibly play that beat. Right. And then you start to think more specifically and it becomes way easier. So like the nicer you are to yourself about like, oh, I'm just going to make a decision right now. The easier things get. It's like writing. You can't edit what's not there. Totally. So like, I think this is a really fun. I think when you taught this to uh, my Harold team slam ball, I thought like, you know, and I'd been improvising for, you know, a couple years at that point. I was like, oh my God, this is another way I can think about second beats. Mm. And I was really like inspired and like juiced up by that idea of like, oh my God, there's still other like, you know, ways I can think about things. I've been trying to teach that to students. I'm like, oh, this helped me a lot, you know, like just even like in 301, because I think people like, essentially, if you taught me second beats, right, which you didn't, I refused uh, you. Yeah, uh, you, you, yeah. yeah, I was in 201. You emailed uh, the school and was like, I'm not going to take classes from this guy. Yeah, and they were like, this is unnecessary. Uh, you can just sign up for the class. Uh, you don't have to tell us if you don't want to take class with the killer. And then you, you just, did. But yeah, and I wrote you a lot of hate mail. Um, anyway, so... But like if you taught me second beats, what I essentially I'm learning is while we are learning the curriculum, you know, because you're our teacher there and stuff and we have to abide by the curriculum. I also am learning to an extent your approach. Yeah. And um, while that might, you know, work for like a lot of people, maybe it for some reason doesn't click for, you know, because of your shortcomings as a teacher, Achilles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like some like certain things just don't click you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I think it is really interesting to hear other perspectives. Do you have any, like, you know, because you've been on tons of teams and you've been a teacher for a while, you've talked to a lot of people about improv. Are there other things that you've heard over the years that are, like, made you consider things differently in, in terms of second beats or fun analogies you've heard from other people? Et cetera? I, yeah, well, I, I, I mentioned that earlier, but the the approaching your first uh, your second beat as a better version of your first beat Mm -hmm. Uh, i remember hearing that from will hines and i thought that was a a cool way to think about it because it put less pressure on the first beat to be amazing you still want it to be good and you still want it to have a strong game but it also wasn't this thing where oh my god the first beat was bad now the second beat must be bad you know it's Mm -hmm. like oh i can make a decision in my second beat to just take all the strongest elements of the first beat and take that into this beat that I'm playing. Right. So it kind of was helpful in a way for, yeah, not kind of getting distracted by how bad the first beat was or how weak the, right. the, the first beat was. Like if your first beat's bad, it's not a rap for you. Exactly. You know, like you, you can take something from it. And I think like, that's what I always say, like what separates the people who get to Harold Knight to the people who perhaps don't is that and this is not to say that if you don't get to Harold Knight you can't do this I'm just saying right. like this is a thing that I think happens on Harold Knight a lot Harold players are really great at starting a second beat going fuck it this is what we're playing yes and the whole team goes yep thank god you made a big decision yeah and we're gonna back that up and we're gonna back it up hard and I think that's like a big I think it's just like a veteran like a thing that you just acquire over the years but it's a thing that you can definitely learn earlier if, yeah, um, yeah, if you're yeah I, th- I feel like that that is a thing that you learn first day of 101 uh that that approach for second beats even though you don't even you, no no 101 101 like, no, you, yeah like in you know it, it, first day of 101 we learn about supporting the other person oh right, right? sure yeah, so absolutely. In, in the second beat uh, you know fast forwarding in the second beat if you're like uh oh shit the first beat wasn't super strong with the game i'm just gonna make a choice about what it is in the mm-hmm. second beat and then everybody jumps in at, your whole team jumps in it's like okay yeah like that person made a decision about it let's support that person's decision that's right. all stuff that you learn in in 101 sure no like you might not be aware that you're actually using it in mm-hmm. the middle of a, a herald show that's exactly what you're doing you're you're just supporting 
not the game that um, you thought happened mm-hmm. in the first beat, but the actual decision that was made by your teammate right. in, in the second beat. And I think there's a certain thing, I think that's a great point, and I think there's a certain thing that is acquired over years of playing with teams and, and being and thinking about shows as a whole where you go like, hey, listen, audience, you're going to like this. <laughs> yeah. You know what it is? Like, uh, we're not, I'm not going to tiptoe into this beat. I'm not going to ask your permission. You're like, hey, is this okay what I'm doing for my second beat? Yeah. It's like, no, fuck you. This is what we're doing. And these seven other people are saying, yeah, this is what we're doing. And I think the second you have, in, in terms of like a, a team approach to second beats in regards to supporting a beat that maybe was weaker in the first half of the show, is to really get behind moves like that that are trying to, quote unquote, right the ship. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I feel like it, yeah, it just really comes down to even 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 second beat ideas that are like, huh, like we're, we're a little bit murky about it. Mm-hmm. If it is aggressively supported by the group in the second beat, it takes that murky idea and it actually strengthens it because mm-hmm. um, uh, you have the, the energy of the entire team kind of feeding into it. Right. Uh, I like to give myself like little guidelines, like generally for shows to avoid certain choices. So one of mine in, in approaching, you know, second beats is to keep as many things like keep feelings the same or like, you know, like one thing is like if I was doing a first beat with you and let's say uh, my character uh, loved you like I do in real life, mm-hmm. then I would then be like, well, in my second beat, I have to love Achilles. Like I, I pretty much have to love Achilles. Like, right. you know, 99% of the time that's going to be part of what made the scene interesting. Do you have things like that that you do, like in, in terms that does, that does that make sense in, in terms of like yeah. eliminating some other you know choices that could yeah I think that that is uh, um, an approach I like for me nice speaking in general <laughs> yeah yes yeah, nice got one. speaking in general my approach for everything but especially second beats and third beats is just keep things simple so. A lot of keeping things simple is like what you said, just duplicating right. what the yeah the, what the simple behavior, dynamic, emotions, feelings, and just doing them a little bit more. Because then, if you are focusing less on the the math of the scene, mm-hmm. um, and you're focusing more on like how was I acting in the scene, yeah. it's it's one, it's easier to play, and then two, you will actually kind of like stumble into the game or, or if not stumble in then then be playing the game in a way that is actually very very close to how you played it in in the first beat but you're not over intellectualizing it you're not making it too complicated it's it's all about being simple getting into it in a way that makes it clear what you want to play to your scene partner that's mm. all i want to do in, right. in in a second beat and also just reacting this, the same way like i remember like the i feel like the last herald i did was at like airwolf did uh, the delcos marathon week like all the weekend teams did and I, I, like the first weekend team yeah, yeah. The, the first beat i think was like i it was like i put i played a character that didn't like oprah <laughs> so then it was like the second beat Ben initiated and he was like, Oh, you're excited. Uh, aren't you excited to, uh, Oh, this is so exciting. We're at the Ellen show. So it's like, Oh, okay. So you're substituting Ellen for Oprah and I hated Oprah in the first beat. So now I should hate Ellen. So like, yeah, it's the, just that simple approach. I mean, the specifics are different, but like now I'm just going to hate this person even more than, right. than I hated Oprah in the previous scene. What do you think it'd be acceptable if in that beat, you chose to love Ellen and still like compare her to Oprah constantly. I think, yeah, I think that totally uh, works too, because you're still 
keeping consistent the this feeling um, yeah. in the scene. Now you you've made it for Oprah specifically, but it's still yeah that you're still duplicating something that happened in the first beat. Right, and I think um, I just wanted to point that out to note you and no to um, <laughs> no just to the idea that like I think students constantly think that there is one move, like there's only one move. Like, that's the beat you did. That's the only possible beat that could have happened. Right. But there are, like, while game does suggest that we play things very, very, in a, in a specific way, there are still multiple ways that we could do the same game in a second beat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There, It's like the multiverse theory, right? Yeah. Uh, now we're going to make this a science, science podcast. Uh. Just, just vague science. Um, <laughs> I want to start wrapping this up um, because I'm tired of you. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no way of being funny without being mean. <laughs> if we're just going to give some guidelines for second beats, some little rules that you can abide by that would, you know, um, help you you know, have uh, your, your success rate in second beats increase. What would be some things that we toss out there? I'll, I'll, I'll do the first one just so you... Oh, sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we can go, you know, whatever we think of right now because we didn't prepare this. The thing that I always think of is, um, um, and I berate students if they do this, is, uh, and I would berate myself if I did it, uh, berate Obama, please do not just pick up where you left off. Yes. Please don't go, like, if your first beat is two people talking in a coffee shop and they're waiting for something, or not even waiting for something, because it actually makes it make sense, but they're just talking about, you know, how good the croissants are, but like in a very fun way. The second beat, like, don't go back to the coffee shop. Don't just keep talking about the croissant. Yeah. It needs to be new, because yeah. we've already seen that scene. So yes. it's not funny if we're just seeing, if we're just hearing the same joke right. again. I yeah. think there there must be an outlier, like, zero point zero 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 one percent scene where that would be funny if we picked up right where we left off i mean the the, the giant exception is groundhog day uh right but the, the if it's essential to the game to return to that same exact situation then which is uh, yeah but it's very rare yeah i'd say yeah. that would be my my first so my first the uh, thing that i'm gonna put on here is uh don't just pick up exactly where you left off yeah i think i would uh, put down is yeah just don't solve the problem make the problem mm -hmm. worse a michael delaney note that i use a lot is be in the same room with the thing you fear uh because it's funny it's yeah. funnier if you do that i haven't heard that so uh if you remove yourself if you extract uh yourself or your scene partner from the thing you fear which is the funny thing uh, in the scene in your second beat then it's not going to be funny so you just need to make the problem worse yeah uh, i think that's i think much, that's much fantastic worse. yeah, yeah. i, I a lot of comedy just making things worse. Yeah. Like how, and I think about that, like in scenes, I'm like, how can I make this worse? Like, I'm gonna make this worse for, like, yeah. if, I, if I know that like a person gets sad when this happens, like, well, how can I make them sadder? Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Every comedy you watch, that's exactly what you're seeing. Yeah. The characters. The Michael Scott uh, type yes. stuff. Um, the uh, other thing I would say is um, if there is a, this is just like a fun piece of advice that i just thought of uh this is part of like a homer simpson theory that i think about a lot when i improvise is promote over fire like if we're playing plot or something like that i think most of the time it's more fun to see the dumb gamey character have more responsibility and more fun yeah. than just like watching you never want to watch the logic beat the yes. comedy part yeah, of it totally yeah and i think that goes back to um not solving yeah, the, the I think problem. that's part of it's it. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's more funny if 
it's it's funnier if we have if we gave Tommy Boy uh yeah. like the responsibility in this movie rather than like oh yeah he's just, he's not gonna uh do anything yeah uh, you know send Homer to space yeah yeah uh, make the fool be the person who has uh, the most at stake yeah in, absolutely in, in in the scene should I add another yeah one? yeah yeah I'd like the the idea of or, or the approach of when you're initiating a second beat initiate a second beat that you know your scene partner is going to get meaning it can't just be i think this is what the game is it needs to be i know my scene partner uh will get that this is the game or this is the move that i'm going for right um because then you're thinking more in terms of not just like how am i going to play the game but how am i going to communicate to the other person that this is the game that we are going to play together i think that's really like a thing that you, a lot of improvisers kind of discover late uh, in their Empathy. development. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, I initiated the scene, I get it. Yeah, uh, but the other person like is it doesn't get it right. at all. Yeah. It needs to be, yeah. How can I initiate it in a way that my scene partner's like immediately, boom, I got it. I know exactly what you're going for. Right, and yeah. I think the uh, the flip side of that one would be the, the advice I would give the person responding to any second beat is like, what is my, what are they going for? Assume that, that whoever you're improvising with is a smart, funny person. And they're, and especially in second beats, they're not just doing something random, you know, like yeah. what is Achilles going for when he's saying this thing that doesn't quite click for me right away. And if that was the case, like, what are they going for? How could this possibly have anything to do with the previous thing? I, I think that like is a, an approach that I'd like to see more of it's just like wait what are they going for you know instead of just thinking people are crazy when they make a move that you don't understand right anything else i think that's it yeah i think it's second, pretty good second beats are good so thanks so much for doing this Achilles. of course yeah anytime literally anytime there you have it my interview with achilles on second beats i really hope you enjoy it i'm gonna have another one of these coming out pretty soon so be on the lookout for the next episode and we leave you as always with a tip for your scene work. This time it's from our good friend Rick Ross, who says when it comes to your character's behavior, don't just talk about it, be about it. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs>